everyone. You are listening to She Leads with Carly. Our guest today is Jess Hirschfield, the founder and CEO of Just Enough Wines. When Jess and I talked, she was getting ready for the launch of Just Enough Wines. Now, she's had a crazy month launching her new company, which provides great tasting wine in the convenience of a can. Jess and I chat about her experience as a new entrepreneur, as well as her experience before working in startups, large companies, including Uber and Lime, and working overseas and the value she got from working abroad and then coming back to America. There's so much in this chat and I really love talking with Jess and I hope you enjoy it too. Hello Jess, thank you so much for coming on to She Leads today. I'm so excited to get to know you better and everything, so thank you so much. Awesome, thanks for having me, I'm excited as well. Of course, so Jess, you are the founder and CEO of Just Enough Wines, which we're obviously gonna get into and I'm excited to hear more about it. But even prior to Just Enough Wines, you've really worked in product management roles and just like product facing roles in, you know, highly known tech companies, whether it's Lime, Uber, Google. But I think I'm really interested to really take take you back to your beginning at Stanford. So you graduated from Stanford in a bachelor's in human biology and global public health. So yes. obviously this differs a little bit from the tech scene and all of that. So tell me at this stage when you're graduating, what did you what did you see your career as and what did what questions were you asking yourself to navigate your career? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I um when I was graduating from Stanford, I became super passionate about health tech. Yeah. Um I really wanted to find a role in a you know, interesting tech startup that was focused on health that could really find ways to help a vast majority of people through health health and figure out how to go into a health startup that helps people um, in in a big scale. Yeah. So so question, did you always did you always know about like the health tech scene or was it always just like the health and kind of focusing on that? Like how did you discover that like biotech and the startup scene is is a way to go from, you know, human biology major and all of that? Yeah, and I and I didn't and and I think um, you know, Stanford is a great place to really you know, harness that entrepreneurial spirit yeah. um, through, I think, the courses that I took, I really realized that the healthcare system in a lot of ways is very broken. Um, and going into traditional tech wasn't super exciting for me and tried to find ways where I could use the health background, but into some of the things that excite me about technology and startups and that entrepreneurial spirit. Right. Um, and so found a whole world of the health tech um, environment where, you know, they're not traditional healthcare, but they're really finding ways to affect a lot of people through technology. Yeah, great. So then now tell me now, take me through your, your career almost. I know you interned or you worked at Rock Health, I believe it's called, and, yeah. and Health Tap. So when did this, you know, were you, when you were in those roles, were you, you know, feeling amazing? You were like, this is where I want to stay. Or when did that kind of mindset shift to, you know, okay, maybe I should explore now the Ubers and the Lime and, and different type of... <laughs> tech? Yeah. And, and it's a great question. I think, um, so I graduated and my first role was at a very small health tech company, um, called health tap. And I liked the mission of what they were trying to do. Yeah. I hated my role. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I was, it was like a 30 person company and I was very early on. I was one of the first marketing people that they brought on. Um, was working like 100 hour weeks. And I was just so overwhelmed, I think, in over my head about what I actually was supposed to do there. Um, and I was looking for a little bit more structure, a little bit more mm -hmm. guidance, a little bit more help so early on in my career to help, 
you know, figure out and navigate what I actually wanted to do next. Um, and so I left there and looked for that. I looked for more of a structured role and a structured environment. And typically when you think about that, more structure comes with a more established, bigger company. Um, and so I got the opportunity to go work at Google, Google, one of the biggest companies in the world, um, figured that I would have a lot more structure there, um, working on Google glass. Um, so it moved away from the health tech world, but I think similarly to what I was looking for with health tech is that I wanted to find ways where I could, you know, spark joy or excitement or happiness with a whole bunch of people. And even though Google Ads ended up failing, I think it was that from a consumer product, it was that where people would first put it on and be like, wow, this is so cool. This is the future. This is what we're going to do um, for some people. And so, it, you know, you had that kind of excitement. But I also got the structure of a big company to learn more about how to navigate marketing and how to build a physical store and that kind right. of thing, yeah. um, have managers and, and, and mentors um, that could help me. Um, so it got me some good structure. Yeah. So, um, so, so looking back, you know, one thing as a recent graduate is, you know, considering, okay, like is the startup path, you know, cut right out of college, you have no risks, like you don't have a family to take care of, like that's kind of a good time versus, you know, that structure that you get from a big company, seeing how a big company works and how, what keeps the wheels running. So looking back for you, do you have advice for like a recent grad, you know, choosing a startup versus a big company or maybe like, you know, having both like you did is, is the best, but what would you, what would, what would you advise um, a young recent grad? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I'd actually get it a lot. Um, yeah. So I think again, going into the startup world, you get to wear so many different hats, you get to do so many different things and you're, you're, you know, sprinting full speed ahead to try to learn and, and grow, which is an awesome environment to go into. If I think you really have an understanding of what you want to do and you are more of that self-starter and you know exactly kind of the career trajectory that you want, startup world as a new grad is really interesting. Whereas on the flip side, you have the, you know, bigger, more established corporations where you don't get to wear every single hat. You know, you're going to be more, more streamlined into one particular type of role and one particular responsibility but you really get to learn the structure of how an established company can and should work at some points. Um, And so it is trying to find that balance. And I think for me, it was really good to be able to have first the experience of a startup and then the experience in a more established company to then go into a a world of Uber where when I joined, we were just under 2000 people. And Mm -hmm. so, and, and I joined in in the Singapore market where there was, you know, less than a hundred people in the region. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like a true startup of like, you know, zero to 30 people, but it, it was definitely the scrappiness that you got to feel of wearing every different hat. You saw a problem, go fix it, mm-hmm. that kind of world. Um, so I think there is an opportunity to find a balance of both where you don't have a complete startup, but you also have, a, you know, some sort of corporate structure where you can find um, a good, you know, merging of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that a couple of times. And I think that is like the best balance almost is like at this big company, but a team where it's almost like a startup and you're, you're moving fast, breaking things, all of that. So, exactly. so as you transition to Google, obviously like Google glass, it was kind of moving away from that health, health theme. Um, was that, how was that, how was that transition? Was that something where it was easy to kind of move past and you were like, okay, I guess this passion wasn't or yeah, kind of walk me through that passion. Was it more just like, I want structure or was there also a decision, okay, I'm leaving the health side of it? Yeah. And I, 
uh, to be frank, going back, it was hard. You know, I think, um, you know, you look into how am I going to build a career and have a career trajectory of what I want. And I was really passionate about health tech and it was a difficult decision to really kind of leave that behind. Um, but I think at a certain stage, when you start thinking about how you want to build your career, um, when opportunities come that are really exciting and are really, you know, you think you really can build on like a Google experience, you kind of have to take it at times. Um, and I always felt like I could take that and then go back to health if I wanted to, um, after, you know, get, get a couple of years of some really solid learnings and then take that into my next company if I wanted to go back into health. And so I took the opportunity and ran with it. Um, and ended up being a really good decision for me in the long term. Yeah. So before we, before we move forward, I am curious, you know, at health top, you're working crazy hours at what point did you realize that, okay, it's time for me to move on? Because oftentimes you get so, you know, locked in and just think like, okay, I'm struggling, but I don't have a, a chance to even breathe and think about my options or my career. So how was it for you? Like, did you think about the long term or how often did you really think about your future versus like, this is my day to day, I just got to get through it? Yeah, and, and I think it's really difficult for yeah. especially new grads when they go into a role yeah. where especially in a startup where you're working so many hours and the expectations on you are so high that you, you kind of think, well, this is what everyone is like, right? And I took a step back and had conversations with a lot of different people mm-hmm. who are more senior, who've had more experience in their working careers. And they're like, no, the way that you're being treated and the work that you're doing is not normal. Wow. Um, so it really required me to kind of take a step away from the day-to-day, as you said, like mm-hmm. t- take a step out of the weeds and really think about what you want your life to look like. And I would come home and I would just be miserable and I wasn't happy and work, you know, your work career is really important, but also your day-to-day life is really important. And if you're not happy in your work, which is what you're going to spend the vast majority on your time on, that can be happy in your everyday life. Yeah. And so I made the cognizant decision to try to push that forward. Awesome. Yes, that totally. I, and I think what you said, you know, like leaning on other people, like talking to senior level positions and just getting their feedback of what, well, you know, what's normal? Is this normal that I'm doing? And then really going from there. I think that's a good piece of advice. Yeah. So, so now walk me through, you know, Google, Uber, Lime, like top companies. How, how did this process happen? And what, what made you think like, okay, this is now my time to, to transition to another company? Yeah. Um, so I was at Google for um, about two years okay. and it became pretty clear that the, um, you know, Google Glass consumer product was, wasn't, wasn't going to work. Um, and I had the opportunity to move to Singapore. Um, I, you know, and so I wanted to kind of to get some international business experience and really try to, to learn about a different working environment. Um, so that's when I left Google and decided to move to Singapore, um, and try to find a job there. Um, while I was there, so I, I basically would move to Singapore because I was, I was chasing a boy. Um, but the boy didn't work out, but Uber ended up working out really well in, um, you know, I, what attracted me to Uber, I think was the mission that they were trying to solve was really bring transportation to a much broader range of people and bring the price really way down. Um, and so I really was driven to that mission of what I said earlier. Like I really wanted to help as many people as possible. And Uber was a, an opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to get international working experience. I was able to live in a new country, which was super exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was the second marketing hire there. Um, 
in in Singapore. And so, as you said, I got that really exciting experience of like a startup vibe and feel where I really owned my market, but in a more larger company that was really affecting the world and changing the world, which is really exciting. Yeah. And and also you were not even learning like within the the marketing role and a startup, but also in a new country, an international experience. So like, how was, how was that in getting that international experience? Like looking back, is that something that you think everyone should try to do? Cause you'd learn so much, you know, beyond your company and your role. Yes. If you can go get a national experience, especially in a working environment, I highly recommend it. It's, you know, there are so many different nuances and intricacies of working with different cultures, different people, different, you know, languages and worlds. And, and it's, you just, I get, you know, you, I think you get a much broader appreciation for what you're trying to do and the work that you're trying to do. Um, but I think it was super helpful for me. Yeah. Um, and also just, you know, I think by being able to work with so many different cultures and different um, environments, you just have a more appreciation and more patience for how you do work in every other you know, level of your life um, that I think was super helpful. Very cool. So, okay, tell me now about Just Enough Wine. So first company that you are starting, you know, first, first, did you always see yourself starting your own company? You know, at some point, you know, when did this or is this? Yeah. Tell me about Just Enough Wines, what it is and like your inspiration behind it. Yeah. Um, So Just Enough Wines, um, we launched it this year. Um, So we are a um, canned wine company. And the idea is that we're really trying to bring high quality premium wine with the convenience of a can. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> work from home woes. Um, uh, and so, um, you know, we're, we're a new company. We're launching in, in September. Um, so we're, we're only nine months old, but really trying to get this off the ground pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, your question of, have I always wanted to start a company? I think, yes, I throughout all my working career, whether it was with, you know, the health startups to Uber to Google and Lime, I always felt like I was kind of missing something. You know, I felt like I wasn't as fulfilled as I should be working at some of these really great companies. Um, and I realized that I really wanted to work for myself and I wanted to find company, a company culture where I was the one, you know, making the decisions and I was the one really driving the business forward and not relying on other, you know, company politics to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and so I left Lime at the end of last year because I wasn't happy there and decided that to do some soul searching and figure out what I actually wanted to do. Okay. Um, and wine has always been something that I have loved. I just love the ubiquitous nature of it. I love you can have it at these fancy dinner parties, but also drink it on you know the couch watching Netflix. Um, so I love wine. And then I was trying to solve a problem that I was having where I would open a bottle and either drink too much and feel bad or not finish it and then waste the wine, you know, a couple of days later because it would go bad. And so I wanted a smaller format um, wine and cans that, that we have, they're going to be 250 milliliters. So it's, it's perfect for just a glass and a half. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can take it with you. You can, I can take it to the park or picnic or whatever. Um, and so you have that smaller format option and there are canned wines out there, but none of them set up the quality of wine that I really was used to, you know, Napa's an hour away from me. Like, how could you have these like great, great wineries so close to you, but not be able to find a good tasting canned wine? Yeah. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So exciting. So, okay. I have, I can go into so many questions, (laughs) but one thing is really, you know, did you have people telling you like, no, this is crazy. Like, don't do this. You know, starting a company is hard. 
like I don't I'm not so familiar with the wine industry and companies within the wine industry but I assume that's also you know something hard to tap into so how did yeah did you have naysayers and how did you deal with that yes absolutely I had both people saying starting companies really hard are you sure you want to leave your job to do this yeah but also in particular in wine, the wine industry is super antiquated mm-hmm. um, and very established. Um, and canned wine is like a, you know, kind of a taboo topic right now. Yeah. Um, and so, so many people told me, especially in the industry, like nobody's going to want to drink, you know, a high quality canned wine. Um, and I think I really believe in what we're building. And I think that's what's really driven me forward. And I think, um, you know, you do a lot of, of research before you dive into actually building a company. And I do think that we're at the precipice of really changing the way that people do think about drinking wine, especially with canned wines. And you're seeing that with the growth of canned wine right now. And it's really exploding. And people, especially millennials in our generation, they want to have less less alcohol. They want to have a more convenient option. They want it to fit their lifestyle. And the traditional glass bottle doesn't necessarily do that. Right. Um, and so I really believe in the idea and that's, what's helped me, you know, kind of put the naysayers behind and say, I'm going to do this and it might not work, but I really believe that we can make it work. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I think, I think that's so important. It's like that, that passion, that belief in your product that it's going to work, that really trumps anything that's going to, that whoever says anything. So I think that's awesome. So, you know, a lot of people have, I have asked other founders this and a lot of people have ideas but it's it really just remains an idea and so what did you do to really like take that step to you know go from just an idea to actually okay this is a company we're gonna we're releasing in September and this episode may be released past then so whatever happens but still like how did you kind of go from those early stages like what challenges did you encounter in those early stages yeah and I think what you described is the biggest challenge of any entrepreneur is like actually taking that idea through to a product or through to seeing something go live. Right. Um, and that was the biggest challenge that I have. There would be days where you wake up and be like, I don't know what to do today. And you feel like you're like wading through mud just to get to the next stage. Um, for me, and I got advice from, from a few people was just do one thing mm. every day, you know, just file it for your LLC, just, you know, yeah. put a website up, put a landing page up, just do one thing every day and slowly you'll start to see the pieces come together. Um, and for me, there really was a turning point where, and I think I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs experience this, where they do one thing every single day, they get some traction, they work on a couple hours here and there, and then all of a sudden something clicks, whether it's, I, I got my co-founder on board and that really like had the trajectory keep going, or you sign your first customer or something happens where the yeah. ball just takes off and there's really no turning back. And so I think, really just doing one thing every day is the way to start a business. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, a few more questions before we get to the fun ones, but this is so interesting. So I can honestly talk to you for an hour <laughs> yeah. longer. But so what would you say is, you know, you hear, yeah, starting company is hard. Being a sole founder is lonely. So what is another thing that really is a misconception that you, you didn't know coming in, but now that you're in the thick of things, like, okay, like I wish someone told me this. What is that one thing? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think, um, I I think, and and I've talked about this before, but I I think there is a really big feeling of imposter syndrome Mm. of, well, you're not going to be able to do this or, 
why do I have the skills or the qualifications to start a wine company? I don't know anything about the wine industry. Like, why do I, why am I going to be able to do that? Yeah. And I think, you know, those fears are very real. And the entrepreneurship journey has so many highs and lows. Like every single day you'll have like a high and low. And I think really it would have been nice to have people, you know, say to me, this is what you're going to, this is going to happen to you and you're going to expect that. Mm. It's okay. Um, you're going to feel this, but you can do it. Just remind yourself to take a step back and say, Hey, there's a reason why I'm doing this. Go back to the passion, you know, and really try to not focus on, you can't do this. You're not qualified to do this. Anyone's qualified to do it. Yeah. Just take that step forward. Yeah. And so kind of going off of that is like being a female founder, obviously, you know, it's, you don't have to look very far to know that there's a gap between, you know, there's a gap for female founders and funders and, and all of that. Have you experienced that? And really, you know, beyond the imposter syndrome, also being a female, have you experienced, you know, I have to overcompensate or I have to, you know, muster up the confidence to, to speak up or go pitch, uh, pitch my deck or whatever it is. Have you felt that? And how do you deal with it? Like mentally? Yeah, absolutely. I felt that. Yeah. It's funny because I, I feel like I feel it in, um, more interesting ways where my, most of my team now is female. Okay. Um, I have a female co-founder and we have some female interns. We do have a, a couple males coming on board, a, a male winemaker. But, um, it, you know, I feel like I'm, I am sometimes overcompensating for the fact that we are so female focused. Like I have to remind myself, okay, like would a male relate to this product? Mm. Like would a male, you know, and, and we try to think like we need to put some male, male ideals forward with yeah. our social media and that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think that's kind of where my mindset goes with the female founder stuff. And I think males tend to not actually think about that um, as yeah. much. Um, and I think, you know, even more so the imposter syndrome has played out more as a female, you know, especially I'm going in an industry that is pretty male dominated. The wine industry is pretty male dominated. Right. And I think I have to really remind myself every day that just because it's male dominated or just because I don't have any experience in it doesn't mean that I can't do it. Yeah. Um, and try to really focus on that. Yeah. And as a, you know, first, first company, first founder role, how, and CEO role, how did you know which culture you want to establish? And like, how, how does that look? You know, whether it's hiring, like, cause you never had to hire people, I'm guessing. And, and so how does that whole process of like, okay, look, here are our values. This is the culture I want to set. And these are the people I want to hire. Take me through that process and whether challenges you face through it. Yeah, it's really important. And I think for me, I've taken a lot of the experience that I have in my past companies right. yeah. um, where I've had some really bad culture and I've had some pretty good culture um, and tried to take pieces of things that I didn't like, pieces of things that I did like and bring it to the company that I'm trying to create. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when it's, when you're really small, it's really easy. But I think what's really important is as you grow to really remember the foundation of what you want your culture to look like. And we really want to have, you know, diversity and inclusion as the forefront of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Our brand, you know, we really stand for, um, convenience and quality, but also like down to earth and, you know, being kind of your everyday, you know, wine, wine companion kind of thing. Yeah. And we want that to carry through to, our company culture as well. You know, we want you to feel comfortable to speak up and we want to have a diverse group of people so that we have all different types of idea ideas and envisions coming together. And 
I think the reason, the the fact that we are thinking about it so early in our company is really going to help bring it through as we grow. Yeah, that's great. And then, um, and then I think what you also tap on is the idea where, you know, like when you're at health tap or Lime or these companies where, you know, maybe the culture wasn't what you wanted and what the ideal culture, but I think it's through those, like you learn a lot and now you learn like, okay, this is what I shouldn't do in my company. And this is the culture that I don't want to set out versus, you know, maybe at Uber, I had a great culture. So I think it just shows that whatever experiences you go through, like at some point you'll learn a lesson from them and who knows how they'll, um, how they'll come out. So I think that's great. Okay, Jess. So we're going to end off with two fun questions. So first, what's a, what's a passion you have other besides, you know, completely outside your work. So no wine related passions. Yeah. Um, well I, I have a one year old puppy. Um, so she, she's our, our, um, little mascot for the company, but, um, her name is Scotty and she's a mini Bernadoodle. Um, so she is like my, you know, my little pup family. Um, so she, I take her with me everywhere I, I, I possibly can. Um, and then for me, the way that I really de-stress is cooking. Um, and it, you know, I think it helps that I'm starting a wine company to kind of bring that together. Um, but cooking has always been something that I really enjoyed. Um, even in college, instead of studying abroad, I took some time off and went to professional cooking school. Um, so it's always been something that I really loved. And so that's how I de-stress and, and, and spend my time when I'm not working. Yeah. I love it. What's your favorite dish to cook? I really, you know, I'm really into like the easy dishes right now. We're, we're really into like really good, like Cajun fish tacos Ooh, are our nice. thing right now. Yeah. Um, you know, like we make our own like baked chicken fingers kind of thing, like simple things that take like 30 minutes because yeah. we're busy, <laughs> but like that's kind of where I go. Makes <laughs> yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Last question is what's a fun or weird talent that you have that no one else really knows about? So a hidden talent. So I'm going to go first. All right. What I do is I throw blueberries in the air and catch them in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> this is at the end of every episode. All right. Here we go. There we go. Nice. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Made it. Yep. Talent. Uh, um, that's a good one. I <laughs> I am like an epic sleeper. <laughs> Like I like really pride myself on sleeping really well and it'll be amazing because I will sleep like a full night's like a full night's sleep and then I will get on a 12 hour plane ride to like Asia or something and sleep the entire time. Wow. Um, So like my hidden talent is, is sleeping. Oh my God. I, that's, that's so valuable. Also like as a founder, who's like working crazy. I like, I'm sure that's incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that one. Um, Yeah. Well, Jess, this has been so fun. I've, I've loved getting to know you here in your journey. And now I'm so excited for Just Enough Wines, really for my friends to have it and everyone. So I'm excited for its launch. Um, but really, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so fun. Yeah, and thank you so much. It's been fun to talk to you. And uh, hopefully we'll be cheersing with a Just Enough Wine soon. Perfect. Sounds great. Sounds great.